everyone. This is Brayden and Tally Waller with the voice of my beloved podcast. We wanted to let you in on a little bit of our Sukkot joy. <laughs> this past Sukkot, uh, we celebrated the Feast of Sukkot by digging into the fruit of the Spirit. And so we actually played that song most every day and danced around to it with all the children with our Ozark lulavs. And it was it was a lot of fun. We had to we, we just wanted to make sure you all weren't missing out on on the joy that we had there. So you had to hear some of <laughs> Look at the song. It's a great song. It is a great it's song. It's a very upbeat, fun song it's fun. to sing with your children. So, it's a good Sukkot song. Yeah, Ozark Lulavs. What, what is an Ozark Lulav? Ozark Lulavs, yeah. So we have to explain the Ozark Lulav. Well, you should explain the Lulav, the, like what a regular Lulav is. So we've been in Israel most of the time, and you celebrate Sukkot with Lulavs. It's a no-brainer. It's how everyone rejoices during Sukkot. You have palm trees, willows, myrtles, and a citron. And that's how you rejoice during Sukkot. So if you're ever in Israel during Sukkot, you'll see all these people dancing around with this. With a le- what looks like a lemon yeah. and a, a bit of trees that they just chopped down. And so, right. yeah, it's it's a very strange concept maybe to the church uh, t- today <laughs> to dance around with But it's leaves. prophetic, right? Because it's Revelation prophetic. talks about worshiping with the palm branches. Very biblical. It's so very biblical. It's fun, too. It is fun. <laughs> it is fun. You have to get over because we celebrate now in the States and we... Okay, so so the Ozark Lulav, instead of having a palm branch, which is what you're supposed to have, we actually had bamboo because we don't have palm branches here. We only have bamboo. And so that's why it's an Ozark Lulav. That's what we did. But we, so we pass out these Ozark Lulavs to everyone and we start jumping around. And so it kind of takes a little bit of time to break the mold and help people get comfortable with jumping around with these pieces of greenery <laughs> but it is biblical and it's fun <laughs> and one of the themes or the the theme of Sukkot yeah. was fruit of the spirit and yeah. that also ties into our study today it does we're going to be learning about how the bride is bearing pleasant fruits and yes. so this is a part We've of got, what we're called to uh-huh we got a lot of talk about uh incenses and and fragrances and fruits and it's it's all kinds of good stuff Before we do that, I want to just mention quickly three days of prayer and fasting, men's uh, prayer and fasting Mm -hmm. event. And so if you know people, know of men out there that want to gather together with other men to pray and fast, uh, let them know about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that is Hanukkah Worship Week in December. So loveandpurity.com, sign up for the email (laughs) updates. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we'd love to to see see you come out. I'm so glad people come out and celebrate things with us. Yes. <laughs> it would be really boring if we didn't have that. <laughs> so we had about 120 people here, and it was really fun. It's a good Sukkot. So we're, we'll dive into the study here. We, um, we ended in the middle of, like, the bridegroom's praise over the bride. He's just gushing about her. And we, uh, we stopped in the middle of verse 11 here. And that's where we're going to start up here. Yes. So here we are. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. So I just want to hone on, hone into two of the elements here, the garments and Lebanon. So Lebanon, we know, was the place where a lot of the trees were gotten for the temple. And mm-hmm. these trees were highly prized for their fragrance, their beauty. And so here the bridegroom is praising the bride that her garments smell like Lebanon. 
Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a room that has cedar paneling on it, mm-hmm. fresh cedar or paneling a chest, a cedar or a cedar chest. chest. Yeah, that's just a really, it's one of the most fragrant, one of the most just nice woods to smell. Mm-hmm. And so here the bride is just clothed in garments that have this fragrance. Mm-hmm. And so let's look at a few verses on garments as well. In Revelation 3.18, Yeshua here, he's he's rebuking the the church here he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Mm-hmm. So here he's counseling them to buy this gold and these white garments. So this is something that we should be challenged to be as the bride here that is obtaining these garments that are pure white and they're fragrant. Mm-hmm. Revelation 16, 15, behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So here there's a blessing even for just being aware, you know, being aware of our garments. Sometimes I feel like it's easy to not be aware, you know, Mm -hmm. of our garments. But here we have these exhortations to, you know, keep our garments, to Mm -hmm. keep them, uh, to be spotless, right? James talks about pure religion is mm-hmm. to be unspotted from the world. Yep. Part of being uh, walking in pure religion is being unspotted from the world. Mm-hmm. And so we want to walk clothed. We want to be covered and lest, lest we walk naked and they see, they see our shame. There's this, there's this great need and the bride will walk in this, you know, speaking of garments here, the bride will walk in this revelation of the purity and the whiteness that she has contrary through, to the world <laughs> yeah through yeah. through the grace through the mercy of god she's been granted these white garments to to wear and it'll be in contrast to the spirit of harlotry mm-hmm. that the babylonian system you know it says they're drunk on the wine of her fornication right, the whole right. world and so this is a it's a real challenge and what was someone that's drunk how are they operating right they're not thinking straight Right. right. And so this is kind of what we're up against in our generation is seeking to be awake, right? Mm-hmm. To, and this is what we're learning about in the Song of Solomon as well, just, you know, wanting to be alert, being awake, and being in love with our bridegroom. So critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also love the, uh, it's the, the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. And we know that, um, you know, the temple was made out of the cedars of Lebanon. And this is probably what the temple smelled like too. Like the, the temple probably had a cedar smell to it as it was the cedars of Lebanon. Right. So uh, just thinking the fragrance, your garments smell like the fragrance of Lebanon. Like you spend a lot of time in the presence of God. You know, that that, that fragrance is on you. That fragrance yeah, of, of being there in the presence of God. Mm. Okay, we're at verse 12. A garden enclosed is my sister, my bride. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. So here we have this beautiful description of the bride being kept. She's not been infiltrated by the spirit of the world, but she's kept. She has this wall around herself. And this really speaks of boundaries. And I believe, you know, that God desires that we be kept, you know, from just allowing anything into our hearts, right? Proverbs speaks of keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And so just the need to have this protection in our life. And I believe this is something that honors God when we set up godly boundaries, you know, in our, 
for our hearts to walk in that purity. So here he's, I just see the bridegroom just speaking over the bride. You're pure. You know, you've, you've kept your heart. You've kept these boundaries in place. It's a garden enclosed. It also could be translated locked. It's the Hebrew word na'ul. And so you can say a garden locked is my sister, my bride. So there's this like lock on her heart. You know, I know some young people wear a key in their heart, like mm-hmm. a key over their chest, right? Mm-hmm. And just to speak of that they're, they're keeping their self. They're not allowing anyone just to take a key and get into their heart. In the same way here, the bridegroom speaking over the bride that, you know, there's a lock in your heart. You, you're reserved for me, basically, mm-hmm. right? And this is a beautiful picture of what we're called to, that we're called to be reserved for the one, our, our heavenly bridegroom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he's saying it in three different ways here. You know, yeah, a garden enclosed, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. <laughs> it's right. He's really stamping it that this is really important. You know, yes. this is this is such a special, you know, this is is such a special um, reserved person. You know, right? Yeah. And I've read too that kings in ancient times would have this special garden that they would go to be refreshed, and it was just a, a place of beauty and a place of just real. Uh, refreshment for the king and so that's an awesome thing that you know that the bride is that place of refreshing for the bridegroom he sees the bride like that Mm -hmm. so uh, in closing also you know speaks of this protection that she's she's protected uh read that they would a lot of times you know put a wall around a spring because in ancient israel springs were highly valued because you know water was not just everywhere Mm -hmm. but the spring was was really valuable and so they would put a wall around it to keep wild animals from coming in and getting it all muddy right where the water is coming out so it's this this idea of for us in a spiritual sense that we're keeping the enemy out of our heart and you know making the water muddy we want just pure clean water to come out of our hearts Mm -hmm. and so may god just bless you out there as you're listening to have wisdom to know you know are there areas where the enemy's coming in and murking up those waters, you know, mm-hmm. but that you would be that bride that's it's enclosed. There's a lock in your heart. You're not just letting anything in. You're guarding your heart with all diligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even as it's, it's speaking of uh, the garden too, I'm also going back to, again, to the Adam and Eve story, you know, that, that um, God, he, he made a garden for, a re- and then he put man in it and he had this relationship with him there. And that was really precious, you know, and how, you know, he, he almost wants to go back to that place, like to the place where the garden was enclosed. It was just me and you. you right. Know, that, yeah, that's, that, that's beautiful. That, uh, that relationship was so important. You know, there wasn't any other distractions. You did, you weren't drawn away into temptation, you know, the way, the way that Adam was like, it's like you're, you're kept here. You know, this is a garden enclosed. There's nothing outside of, Yeah. Right. And I think that in closing, that keeping also speaks of the opposite of what you hear of a loose woman, right? A loose woman is one that's not keeping herself, right? She's an immoral woman. So, you know, just the the need to, you know, go the opposite direction of the spirit of the world, to be kept, to to have a lock on our heart, a seal on our heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, that seal reminds me of this verse in Ephesians 4.30. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So on our hearts, we have the seal of the Holy Spirit and that God has sealed us. And so this, this, uh, this fountain that has the seal on it is also speaking of that, that we're just, we're sealed for his purpose. He's like put his stamp on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going on to verse, verse 13, your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard. I have to say that 
pomegranates. I just have to just throw this in. Right. That how much I love pomegranates. And yeah, you don't get between Italian or pomegranates. No. <laughs> yeah. There's stories of what's happened. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so anyways, th- so we always have tons of pomegranates during Sukkot. And this past Sukkot, right before Sukkot, my mom went to this produce place and there was boxes of pomegranates for sale and they were so delicious. So she got she got a bunch of pomegranates. So we got to celebrate Sukkot with pomegranates. I just had to talk about that. Before. Well, I just have to add too, the closest I ever saw Talia ever get in a fight was when a, <laughs> a coat, like a guard at the airport decided to take away her pomegranates. And so if you yeah, want to ever hear that story customs. in person, just ask about that story. But I, I've never seen her get so close to if a fist Stephania, fight. <laughs> if Stephania then Bukowski wasn't with us, I might have jumped the counter and really tackled him. I was just like, Tally, Tally, don't worry about it. It's just pomegranates. But she was, well, anyway, okay, let's get back on track. But pomegranates here uh, speak of, you know, sweetness that, you know, the bridegroom say, oh, your fruit is so sweet. Mm-hmm. And I think of John 15, you know, abiding in the vine, bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the bride. He has pleasant fruits, right? Mm-hmm. There's this, ple- like we mentioned, the fruit of the spirit, it's pleasant fruit, yeah. love, joy, peace. All these are so pleasant. Mm-hmm. There's just a pleasantness about the bride. Yeah. And pomegranates uh, represent fruitfulness because there's so many like little right. seeds of fruit in there. Like it, it really, uh, it, at least in, in Israel, you know, it's like, it's really a picture of fruitfulness, uh, bearing much fruit. And so, you know, this is how we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, you know, that, that there's the spirit in her life that's bringing forth many fruits, you know, or many fruits or a lot of fruit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then fragrant henna with spikenard. We know that spikenard was the oil that Mary poured out on Yeshua. Mm-hmm. And John, it says, then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. So evidently was very hard to get. It was very costly. Mm-hmm. And so here in Song of Songs, the bridegroom is saying, oh, wow, you've got this spikenard. You, you've you've gone through the fire, really, and you've got this fragrance of spikenard, and you're willing to you know share it. You're willing to give it away, even as Mary did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. You look at that story, and Judas says, you know, why this waste, right? And the people look at the extravagance of the bride, uh, the extravagance of believers that are giving it all. They said, why this waste, right? You know, why, why would someone give such an extravagant gift? Why would they, why would the bride give herself so completely to this? But it's when you know the bridegroom, when you see all that he has given, then it the perspective becomes so clear. He is worthy. He is worthy of, of all that we have. Mm-hmm. So then he goes on verse 14, spikenard and saffron. He repeats spikenard. Uh, and the, just a little side note on the, the first time it's plural, uh, the plural Hebrew word for spikenard, and the next one is singular, whatever that, that can mean. But it, just interesting, of all these different spices, this one's repeated twice. Hmm. And saffron, calamus, and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrh, and aloes with all the chief spices. So she has so much in her life, right? She has all these graces filling her life. Uh, just look at a few of these frankincense, as we mentioned before, speaks of the ministry of prayer. She's, you know, offering up her prayers, which are so fragrant to God. Then myrrh speaks of dying to self, you know, mm-hmm. of, of not being, you know, in it for your own glory, for your own gain, but, you know, that you're wanting to please the bridegroom. This is the heart of the bride. She, she has this myrrh, you know, last podcast mm-hmm. and she I will go to the mountain of myrrh mm-hmm. right I'll, I'm willing to go to that place of sacrifice and this is something that he notices right he's like wow wow mm-hmm. you have that myrrh in your life mm-hmm. and then with all the chief spices I, I love how it just points this out 
and it speaks to me that the bride will major on the majors, right? She has all the chief spices, right? And uh, she's not getting distracted by, you know, some unknowns, you know, hardly anybody knows about this spice way off in Madagascar, let's say, you know, right? <laughs> she, she has all the chief spices. And so just, you know, as encouragement to us to major on the majors, to have the chief spices, the bride will have all the chief spices. She'll have all the, I don't know, she'll, she'll have everything she needs. <laughs> but I'm just saying it just points out here that she has all the chief spices. Yeah. Well, Yeshua talked about it too, like straining a gnat. What is, what's that right. whole part that he was right. talking about? Yeah. Basically, yeah, not, not majoring on the minors, right? Right, right. Yeah. To, to really major on love, the major mercy, things, yeah. yeah, the justice of God. Yeah. So this is something that we, we need as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm also like, I'm just thinking, so he goes into the garden and he's describing the garden here. Like it's, it's a, a garden shut up and then he's describing all these fruits and stuff that are in the garden. Like this is, this is who she is. This is, um, this is how, how she's kept herself. Like she's kept herself and it's not just like shut up and she's just closed off to everyone, but she's actually flourishing inside of that, like keeping herself, you know, right. That there's all these beautiful spices when the garden is when he walks into the garden. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Verse 15, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. So I just want to look at each, each of these three. So firstly, a fountain of gardens. So, First, let's see this, that it's plural, a fountain of gardens. And so a fountain is a, an underground source of water, right? It's coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's picturing this indwelling work of Messiah, right? It's flowing from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so we see this verse in Colossians 1.27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Messiah in you, the hope of glory. So Messiah in us, it's a glorious thing. It's our hope of glory. Mm-hmm. And so this fountain comes up and it's able to bless others. So it's a fountain of gardens, not just singular. Mm-hmm. The song does mention the singular garden, but here it's a fountain of gardens. Messiah in us is impacting others as well, mm-hmm. right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to water other people's gardens, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what we're called to is to, mm-hmm. to build up and to help others have this flourishing garden mm-hmm. in the Lord. Yeah. So uh, then we have the, the well of living waters and a well is a place where you store water, right? You know, it's a place that has a, it's just kind of a, it's a, uh-huh. it's a reservoir. So this speaks of, of having, having a history of God's work in your life to draw from. And I know for myself that this has been a very important place just to be able to draw from that water. Like, oh, wow. I remember, you know, it may have been 15 years ago, but wow, God spoke to me. I know it. I know God spoke to me in that time and I can draw from water from that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that shouldn't be our only source of water, but it can, you know, if you're going through a dry time, you can just remember, you know, the scripture talks a lot about remembering what God has done in your life. Mm-hmm. And so we can draw from that water. Oh, wow. Yeshua, he was so real to me in that season. And we want to keep on pressing in for that in the present, right? But we can draw from that water and go, oh yes, that was so good. Mm-hmm. So we have the well of living waters. This is uh, very important to draw on. Just encourage you to remember the times that God has spoken to you and revealed himself to you and drink of that water. Then we have streams from Lebanon. And so the stream is, is open, right? It's just rushing. It's open. And this is a picture of the outpoured spirit. It's, it's saying streams from Lebanon. And Lebanon, high up mountain, it's, picture, it's picturing 
water coming from a very high source. And so the spirit of God, right, coming down from heaven yeah. and just ministering just the outpoured. It's, it's something of a little more of a, a robust type of like, you know, the outpoured spirit. And so uh, I can't help but think of the temple again too, just like the, the center of Jerusalem, right? the presence of God, you know, that that's another thing, you know, and how the Holy Spirit was even poured out, you know, in Jerusalem right. <laughs> as they were celebrating uh, the feast too, but just like the stream that came out of that, you know, out of just um, being in the presence of God there. Right. Yeah. Well, there's even a scripture that talks about streams proceeding from his throne. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. Just from his presence coming, these streams of water mm -hmm. and, uh, they're, they're washing right. And Lebanon also means whiteness. And so these streams wash over us and, and purify and make us white. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Yeshua in John 14, 13 says, he answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Mm -hmm. So here Yeshua, he's saying, I've got this living water that you can have. And this is what the bride is really just feasting on this mm -hmm. living water. Psalm one, three says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. So here again, this man that is meditating on the word, the, the word that's washing over him. He's going to bear fruit. He's, he's got his roots in the water. Mm -hmm. And so this is a powerful place to be. Yeah. And wasn't it during uh, the end of the, the feast of Sukkot that, that Yeshua even declared himself uh, the living water? Right. right. Yeah. John, it says on the last great day of the feast, he stood up and, yeah. and yelled out, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So just as a recap of that, the fountain, indwelling Messiah, right? It's, it's this water coming up from the inside. You, you can't see it, but then, you know, but then it comes up out and it, it impacts, uh, the gardens, the plural. And then well is that history to draw from. And then the streams, the outpoured spirit. So all these different facets of the water are, are really, really cool. And, uh, that we can partake of, of all these. Mm -hmm. Then verse 16, Awake, O north wind, come, O south, blow upon my garden that its spices may flow out. Mm -hmm. So this is the voice is changing here. This is the bride responding. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. So this has been a powerful verse in my journey with Yeshua. Awake, O north wind. The north winds were the cold winds. They often brought snow, brought you know, these chilling winds. And so in a sense, she's saying... This is what I need. I, I need you to send even difficult times, but then in, in the same breath, she says, and come, O South. So she also welcomes these warm winds that would come up from the South. And this could be speaking, you know, in a figurative sense of winds of blessing, right? Of the warmth, the, the, uh, the blessing of, of harvest, you know, the, the good weather. So she's saying in a sense, I'm open, O God, to you sending either hard times or good times. You know what I need. If you need to awaken the north winds, if you, you know, if you so see it fit, let those south winds come, but through it all, let them blow upon me, let them blow upon my garden. And I want all these spices that you've just spoken about to flow out of me. Mm -hmm. I want you to awaken worship within my heart. He knows that if we have it, you know, only good, sometimes we just get complacent, right? We don't, we don't yield that 
fragrance of worship from our lives. If all we have is hard times, we can just get kind of get shut down too, right? We need that. We need those blessings to come in as well. Mm-hmm. So, and the wind here is is ruach, right? It's the it's the spirit. So so sometimes the spirit he comes in. And he brings conviction. He brings, you know, there's something of a, the jostling. You know, that would be the north wind, this conviction, this repentance. It would be the jostling. And then sometimes the spirit comes and he just ministers the sweetness of the love of God. Mm-hmm. That would be like those south winds. So he, the spirit has varying operations, but he, he's ministering to us that we would be that fragrant sacrifice of praise unto God. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's calling. And uh, I know I've re- referenced Charles Spurgeon a few times on the podcast here, but I just want to read this quote that he mentions along these lines. He says, remember, however, that the best quickener is always the Holy Spirit. And that blessed spirit can come as the north wind, convincing us of sin and tearing away every rag of our self-confidence. Or he may come as the soft south wind, all full of love, revealing Christ and the covenant of grace and all the blessings treasured for us therein. Come, Holy Spirit, Come as the heavenly dove or as the rushing mighty wind, but do come. <laughs> so, yes, we see that, you know, comes as a dove, gentle dove, but then he comes as a rushing mighty wind as well. Mm-hmm. So may God just open up our hearts to receive him, whether it's the north wind or the south wind, but mm-hmm. he will blow upon us and bring forth worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love her heart too because um, she's saying, Come winds, blow upon my garden that its spices may flow out. And so she's seeing how much that this um, that this pleases the bridegroom as well. Like when the fragrance of her life is blown, like the, it's blowed upon, and um, and so and to how pleasant that is to him. And so that's why she's asking it. It's like all for him, and it's such a right. uh, it's such a beautiful response to his uh, to his praise. Is like he's like praising all of these good attributes and stuff. And she's saying, it's all for you. I like, I'm, I want it blowed, blown upon, you know, just so that, uh, so that the spices can flow out, that you can smell the fragrance of my life. Right. Yeah. And I think this whole perspective really helped me to process going through difficult times in a positive way, right? It's, it's actually producing worship in me, right? It's producing these fragrances of worship to come forth. You know, oftentimes we go through difficult times we can shut down with offense toward mm-hmm. God, right? But here the bride, her heart is, oh God, I just want you to be glorified. I just want you to receive the fragrance of worship for my life, whether it's good times or bad times, north wind, south wind, let it blow upon me. Mm-hmm. Then she closes out and says, let my beloved come to his garden and eat its pleasant fruits. So this is a hinge point of the entire book. She's saying let him come to his garden, speaking of herself. Mm-hmm. And so the bride is just basically saying, I am yours totally. My life is in your hands. And she yields herself fully to the bridegroom. So what a powerful, powerful place to be of just full surrender. Ephesians 1.18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So here this verse speaks of us the church, the bride, being part of Yeshua's inheritance. And so the bride has this revelation that she's not her own. Let my beloved come into his garden. What he has purchased, let it be so pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. And so this is the next section of the book, the latter half of the book, right? We just covered the first four chapters. The latter four chapters 
primarily focus on the inheritance that the bride is to Yeshua. Mm-hmm. In the first four chapters, we've covered primarily the inheritance that the bride has in Yeshua, mm-hmm. like what she gets out of it. Mm-hmm. But now these last four chapters are going to be focusing on he gets something out of it. You know, he gets, he, he's going to receive glory from me. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the focus of it. And so looking forward to continue on this journey of the bride. And uh, may you be strengthened. May you offer yourself fully to him and just make his heart happy. Mm-hmm. This is Braden and Tally reminding you to listen to the voice of your beloved bridegroom. He's coming quickly.